Hello, 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 you pleasure seekers out there. This is Claudia Monacelli with another episode of Pleasure Seeking, the Pleasure Pleasure Seeking podcast. And today I have a guest who's quite specific, particular, uh, you know, I, I, I like to call her a sort of mix between an entrepreneur, a, a businesswoman, a, a, um, a surgeon for the way she operates, and much, much more. But let me first introduce her. Um, she um, is uh, going to share her story with us because um, she has currently she's a first generation college student and uh, an MBA candidate at John Hopkins University and was a tutor at Harvard. 
And along this academic um, journey of hers, she encountered a lot of difficulties, like many women do, with her self-confidence from, she saw the difference between the male and the female students. And this led her to start a female-led consultant consulting company as a source of empowerment for women um, in an effort to do her part in closing this gender gap. And she'll be talking about that. Um, and she'll also be talking about her project called the Judy Project. And underneath this, um, this uh, cast, this cast, this podcast, I'll be putting out links and uh, telling you how you can contact her for anything. And um, one thing uh, that I have to say, she has uh, literally operation in research, we, we say operationalized when you're studying a, a concept. She's operationalized the concept of confidence. And the way she does it, I mean, she goes in with a team, like a surgery team, a surgical precision to find the difficulties and starts working on them. And then the analysis and all of the rest. So let's have her on. Come on in, um, Christine. Christine Woodward. Let's give her a round of applause, Christine. Uh, how are you today, Christine? Well, thank you so much for having me, Claudia. And thank you for that introduction. That's uh, one of the best I've heard. I think I'm going to just repeat what you say as I introduce myself in the future. So thank you for that. Well, um, one thing, I know we have a lot of things to talk about. I mean, you have a lot of things to talk about in your relatively young age, but you have a lot of experience in this field. And what I specifically like about you, Christine, is how you jumped on the, the insight of seeing a difference there. And just, you know, again, I'll use the term operational. You put it into action and you created a little empire for a specific issue. Um, there, are, What we're going to talk about, well, of course, she has this consulting practice that she'll always refer to, of course. But I'd like to specifically, if, if you don't mind, um, talk about confidence and yes. how, what exactly does it mean for you? And, and how do you go about working with women in that field, in the business area, and then go on, I guess, um, probably talking about the differences when we talk about the gender gap. Mm -hmm. We hear that a lot. A gap means something is missing or there's just a division. So we could hit on that. And then um, there's also a uh, topic that I would like to, and I won't even mention it. We'll talk about that in the end and I'll pick it up at the end. So that, that's a surprise ending. Good, so okay. you have the floor. Tell us about yourself and how did it start? I mean, I yes. said it, but you have more. No, 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 no. I appreciate it. No. And, and I really do love the term operationalize the concept of confidence. That is that is just so perfectly put. Um, so to answer your first question, confidence in my consulting business, that is, as you said, something I wanted to do was to empower women. And the first way that I came about uh, was to bring women on at, under the umbrella of the 19th and co consultancy to allow okay, them. Okay. So 19th and co is your company, right? Yes. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Mm -hmm. uh, to allow them the opportunity and the space uh, to practice their craft without getting bogged down of owning their own practice. Right. So I, okay. Uh, every now and then I'll jump yeah. in. When you sure, say sure. their craft, you mean whatever business they're into or yeah, their that, okay. expertise. So, uh, you know, one comes from the retail space, 
who's an expert working with the, some of the biggest brands you know of. Uh, others are CFOs that you know have start, done startups to eighty million dollar companies. Um, so these are myself. women who have a yeah. lot of uh, bravado. Lot, yes, a lot of bra- exact, exactly <laughs> and energy. Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, but again, are maybe a little tired of being out in corporate America, a little burned out, or they have their own practice and they're uh, kind of sick of feeling so alone. So it's that solidarity as well. So it, it covers the spectrum of women out there or the individuals who, again, are burned out on corporate America and wanting to go out on their own, but taking that leap alone is just far too great of a daunting Okay, now this is interesting for me and and a lot of our audience as well, because I get that a lot. Clients who come to me, they say they're very high-powered women. Uh, You know, they've created an empire, but they want to do something else, something personal, something that speaks of them, which is interesting that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Yes, it really is. um, And it especially now with COVID having hit, what 19th and Co is, is it, it not only empowers women to practice their craft, but in a way that fits their life also, right? Because when you own your own business, when you are a consultant, you do get to kind of make your own schedules. And and what about practice. the name? Where did that come from, 19 and Co? I'm glad you asked. Uh, it is from the 19th Amendment. It's a nod to the 19th Amendment to remind us all that that was one of the biggest strides we all made, but that was a bit ago and we need to step up and take our next stride. And that leads me to a confidence um, mission. Go girl. Yeah, (laughs) so it's what I'm coining the confidence revolution, um, just as it was women's suffrage. This is going to be our next mission and our next um, stride that we make as a community of women. Right now, that gender gap, as you mentioned, is so much this, um, it, it's yes, it's a hole, it's a gap, as we all visualize when we when we say the term gap. But what it is is it's a catching up in my mind. I don't want it to make anyone believe that women are less than, that we got left behind. There's no pity party. It's just we're catching up because culturally we were, you know, we were in the home caring for the children because the men were the home, uh, the breadwinners, right? And now that that's, that story has changed, there's two income families. Um, we're just, it's just a chance to catch up. But what we need to catch up is confidence. And innately women- Christine Woodward yes. for president. I'm voting, <laughs> she has my vote. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, it, it is something that we just naturally don't have. I think it, I could go into the research of it, but yes, there's the testosterone that we lack much less than men. Um, there's just culturally, we don't aren't given the space and the oxygen to voice our opinions, to then see ourselves in you know that light and that empowerment, to then compound our confidence and keep that going. Um, there's so much in our culture and our chemical makeup that has brought us to where we are in our level of confidence. And I'm here to spread this idea. If nothing else, if there's nothing else beyond this concept that is learned, that's all I ask, is that the idea of confidence is a skill and therefore can be acquired. That's it, plain and simple. It is just like any sport. Um, even if you think you're not athletic, this isn't doesn't even take that. Uh, it, it just needs practice. That is well, it. 
All right, now, of course, that's not enough for me here. <laughs> because uh, you've worked with, with cases. I'm going to ask you just like operationalized in research case studies, because not all stories are success stories. Not all women are the same. So they start at zero, sometimes get to 50. Sometimes they start at 50 and go to 200. So I, I'd like to have sort of um, examples so you, you can show us how you work with a specific case. That could be an example of a, of a certain class of cases. You see what I mean? Sure, yeah, no, great, great um, point. And I, I am glad to bring that up. So I think someone who maybe on the younger spectrum, which usually might be on that spectrum of zero to, you know, starting at zero. Uh, um, when you say young, what could uh, we... Yes, I would say it was, she started, it was mid twenties was when I started okay. with her. The Zen generation, the Z generation? Uh, she oh, is no. on the cusp of millennial. Right, right, millennial. Yeah. Uh, and really what it was, it, it penetrated and permeated her personal and her professional life. So didn't expect much for her personal life in terms of the man she was seeking, right? Um, the kind of men that she, uh, right? We, so many women think, oh, I, I just, I attract the bad guys or I attract the, the not so great guys. and. That whole attracting is a product of you. It's a reflection of you and your expectations. Let's let, just a second. Now, this yeah. um, young woman, she was in a specific field. Was she in, in a business field? Uh, well, yes. Twenty-five had just come out of college. Um, was in the, actually the retail space. So she was in corporate retail um, and has recently made a transition from that. But yes, professionally, that's where she was. Personally, was not married yet. 25 starting to feel like oh i'm getting a little behind the ball eight ball on this um and that's why i bring up the personal side first um in that you know this idea of women magnetizing and attracting this bad crowd for a male counterpart or any counterpart partner uh is a reflection of you and it's it's a reflection of your expectations and but your expectations and the same stories that repeat themselves yeah, right the same and this goes for per professional too so right, you can right. actually translate the same story for professional but it does it trans expectations translates to your confidence and your how much you value yourself right that's what the expectations are that you expect for what you want in your life and so as we start to started to really reframe that thought process around expectations on her personal life and in her professional life that story started to change and we actually something that i do with some of my clients is go out and you know if we go to coffee or if we go to cocktails but we meet strangers intentionally so that they can practice this new narrative um it's oh, a new how story. interesting interesting yeah. this is like vocalizing um it, it's 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 the same idea and concept of uh going to a store and trying an outfit on you may never want think you'd try on, but you go into the dressing room, you try it on. It's exactly like that. Thinking you could ever wear that daring outfit that you see in the window without ever trying it on, or let's even take it to the extreme, without even ever going into the store, it's comical, right? <laughs> of course you have to go into the store to even buy it, let alone even try it on to see if it would be a good fit. So not vocalizing something, not reframing it to then vocalize, to start telling that story and make it a reality is like not going into the store. Okay, so, so they just, put it aside without thinking they could ever even enter the store. Okay, so yeah, they, right. their mind blocks that Yeah, it's, that it's like I can't even afford that dress or for whatever excuses, they don't even step foot into the store, right? And so that is, that that's an analogy for not even taking the time to 
think through your thoughts and try to reframe them and even start to believe that you could even have the audacity and the you know the goal to walk into a store like all right that. so so you took you took a life like this that. woman for coffee this young miss 25 all right okay and so she paid <laughs> so, so you were together and uh, how did that work out i mean i'm trying to get an an yeah sort of a, an idea yeah, you could kind of see me as like a wingman, I guess, you know, the movie Hitch or something. I like right? that. So, I like that, the wingman. Yeah, I act as a wingman, but we're not actually picking up men. We're not. It, it's, oh, it's, she says know, that sure. because her there's a byproduct. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain there can be a byproduct. And in fact, she did start dating this one gentleman. But um, interestingly enough, it, it was a, many notches above her previous uh, men that she had dated but still wasn't even good enough. But that the idea that she even had the, again, I'll use the word audacity in her mind to think he's not even good enough. And he was an attorney, you know, living in San Francisco, which she hadn't gotten nowhere near that before um, in terms of caliber, right? And he was very nice, um, was already leaps and bounds beyond where she had been. And that was because we'd gone out with a story that she wanted to of what she wanted to be right and we started with a professional story that helped to paint a new picture of who she was and so the story went um that she lived in san francisco and at the time she actually lived in central california lived in san francisco and was getting her mba and so she met this gentleman like i said miles above anyone else she'd ever dated started dating him didn't work out and that's fine but guess what happened ultimately a couple years later she got her MBA and she married an incredibly amazing man who wanted children. I mean, he's like that 50, you know, the mom, dad, um, and he's a, a pharmacist. <laughs> so like highly educated, great guy. So she got the cake, the dog, yeah. the garage. Everything. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. Somebody who pays for her coffee. <laughs> yeah, and she even had the audacity to go out and start her own business as well. Good. So, so yeah. let's say that that started as a story that was difficult to get off the ground, but it went, you know, after a couple of years, it did was successful. Let's have a, another. I love these little stories. I mean, this is fun. <laughs> what about another? a case study of um, another person, maybe a different age with a different type of issue, uh, maybe that it didn't uh, necessarily mirror or uh, correspond to something in her emotional life. Think of it. Yes. Well, you know, I'll say um, this was a business owner, so this really pertains to the professional realm of her life. And what happened is she wanted to bring me into her business really start to alleviate the things that were on her plate so that she could just have her life back, maybe do more BD, but actually transition the business into an exit. So selling it off. Okay. You said more BD, BD. Oh, sorry. Business development. Oh, sorry. okay. Yep. All right. <laughs> um, just giving her more time to build the business in a way that she could then exit and sell it. So there was this, we were building a strategy around that. And what happened was really this lack of confidence in relinquishing control of her business. And that was something now, no one anticipated. How interesting is that? Yeah. Fear. Yeah, yeah right. And while I want to, I, I truly believe she thought it was rooted in that she just absolutely loved design. She wanted to stay in the day to day. I really believe in the heart of hearts of both of us, we, we were well aware that it was fear of the unknown. She was much further along in her career. She was in her, what would you, late 50s. Um, and had had this business for close to 25 years. So, you know, had done 
played a played the same role that entire time obviously yeah. relinquished some role uh, of her role because she'd grown the team but to the degree that she would remove herself completely well how did she do it what happened she didn't oh so i'm no, giving so you a non-success story non-success yeah. so, so how long did you work with her how how the period that you worked yeah and let me reframe that non-success it was more a reframing of her goals right so um based on the level of confidence she had and i think uh, you know it's actually kind of a sad story for me because i know that we can all reach the goal we ultimately want but i do have to say the goal we ultimately want may not fit the time in our life whether right. depending on our age right well the said other, yeah the other factors in our life so as much as we do hope for that shooting for the moon we may have to land on the stars sorry shooting for the stars landing on the moon um, it may be a product of our circumstances but when i say that in that same breath i do want to on the flip side of that say please don't use circumstances as excuses because right. there's this um i was raised with this motto he and it was a he sorry for the pronoun so i'll change it she who really wants something finds a way she who doesn't finds an excuse and i live by that exactly exactly it it really is the truth but i do give people grace in that there are definitely many circumstances that push you to a brink that it's just not a possibility at that point in time. So, I I haven't reconciled with that. I'd like to say that that's not okay in my book. So, so let's say how do you feel at the end the the business I'm going to say the client relationship and you when you come away from that um is there something uh, of not a closure because there's no closure there but well maybe in the future sometime does that happen or or uh it didn't work this time i wasn't ready but you know it, it, the outcome sure so even when we say we have a quote unquote success as in the case of that first one i mentioned the 25 year old um you know life doesn't stop there she just cuz she got married got her mba i mean we have these <laughs> what's the next hurdle right uh and so it is something where that's an ebb and flow i come i weave in and out of people's lives um in the case of the non successful you know quote unquote story or case um that one is something that i haven't heard back from her and i think it's uh it's sad it, to me because well it reminds me of the parable the you know the sheep yeah. that you know <laughs> yeah, yeah that's life yeah. but but that's the thing that keeps you awake <laughs> at night yeah and story. you know and i have a job to push people that's what i see myself as I'm a coach um like you see on a football field. I don't really refer to myself as a as we know the coaching, you know, leadership coach or that sort of thing. I like to think of myself as a coach on a football team and I push my team players um I push them to the brink at which they point think they can't work any harder, right? You imagine yourself when you're training and then when you realize that you did what you thought you couldn't, you come out and you look at your coach and like, "Thank you." I didn't know I had that interesting in interesting and that's my job. Who knows what you were in a past life? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. Military? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, I I think my family would actually agree with me. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I on the flip side of that, I do need to learn how to turn that off. <laughs> so uh my poor family <laughs> my poor kids no but but there there's a, a another side of a flip side to the way you go about working that has a lot of you in it you know your nature and 
and and maybe I'm just maybe there's a little bit of fear of failure there as well. I'm not sure because from the outside, the people you work with, it, it, there's such a close relationship and they become your mirror and you reflect to them and they reflect to you. And then when something's not reflecting, you know, the, the, the spell is broken. I don't know. I can understand. I can understand. It must be devastating, really. Not, I wouldn't classify it as a failure, but um, a missing link. There's something there to, to learn about. I didn't I tap into them properly. Yeah, I couldn't, Maybe. I couldn't Maybe. say it in another way that struck a chord with them. And so it does feel like a, a fail on my part, um, like a coach, you know, not saying it in the way that resonated with them. That's, that's the best way I can put it. You had her uh, do just one too many push-ups. That's what I Right? Saying. Or not enough. She said, I'm is, you're right. You're right. I'm out of here. You're funny right. enough, in that case, I feel it wasn't enough, maybe. Right, probably, probably. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and to, to kind of bring it back to what you were mentioning about, you know, do I have a sense of fear of failure? Um, it's an interesting concept because if anyone, if you ask anyone in my life, they'd be like, oh, goodness, absolutely not. She tries everything and anything and moves through things very quickly. Um, but I think, you know, like with anything, it's quite yeah. nuanced. Deep down in there, I move through and try everything quickly because I fear so much of, of regret. Um, right. Well, so I do fear something, certainly, but it's not the thing I'm about to go do. It's that I, if I don't do this, I'm, right. I'm not sure if it's regret, but there's something. I mean, it looks like you yourself do a lot of push-ups too. I mean, you are hard, you know. I mean, very hard I can myself. see that you you probably <laughs> really um, you, like a military officer. I, <laughs> but mm -hmm. let's get let's get. This is not a psychological setting here. We're not. <laughs> oh, I love you. the stories. I love the stories because then yeah. you're going to have to pay me. <laughs> Now, uh, there's a this this whole notion of gender gap, you know, um, because it's maybe a cliche, but it's so in still there everywhere, everywhere. And um, but. Well, you explain how you came across that in at the university level and, and what was it exactly that was the last straw? Yeah, th right. That, that's a, thank you for the rem that reminder. Yeah, while a tutor or RA rather, a resident, um, resident assistant or assistant, as uh -huh. most colleges call it, uh, at Harvard, um, we had under us uh, probably close to ten sophomores because they, uh, when they come into the dorms, you have your freshman dorms and then you have your upperclassmen dorms, and that's where we were. Um, when you come in, you're a sophomore, and we have about ten of those students under our umbrella, um, and each year they rotate, obviously, with new sophomores. And I can't tell you how 90% of them unprovoked and in one-on-one -on -one meetings, so they're not hearing other students saying this, the saying they would say to me, the comment they would make was, I feel like I slipped through the admissions crack. And I'd never heard anything like this. And as you mentioned earlier what, about what, my What does that mean, that they got by and they didn't expect to get by? Yeah, they, you know, they got lucky. They got they lucky, did. but they were men or women or just all of them? This was just women. Just women. Thank you. Yeah, this was just that, women this that is, said this. This is sad. And whether, uh -huh. you know, this isn't the cleanest experiment and study I could do, uh, you know, is this 
that men didn't have, men kind of keep that close to the vest, right? And they just don't say it, but they felt it. And women just feel more comfortable saying it or did men just really not say it? So again, not the cleanest experiment, but certainly one in passing that is, is worth bringing up. Um, and it's, it's the same- they were part of a quota that had to come through oh, yeah. and that idea, oh. you know, is, is, is so, uh, you, you don't know if you've earned it, you know, already. Right, which that. I would imagine many minority women feel that way or minorities in general. All right, I was just part of a quota. Um, and these were white women too, many of them. Actually, the majority of them were white women that would say this. Uh, so certainly they didn't have the trifecta of a low-income black woman, right. but they were they were still a woman. So they had but a single what, aspect um, to that. But know. what was it that made you hook on to confidence what made you think that it was the confidence yeah you know it's i it, it's been something that's been brewing since well probably since my childhood but certainly big moments like that one um covid hitting when there was this uh opportunity for us all to reevaluate what we were doing and um my mother-in-law passing so those those big three moments in my life um, two of which were quite recent, and they were the ones that pushed this over the fence. Um, was the push the the tipping point for me to say I am going to go out and do whatever it takes to start teaching the word of confidence and and that concept that it's simply a skill that just needs to be learned, mm -hmm. and to women in particular, from elementary school students to senior care living. So you you put your thoughts together, everything you got, and you put it into 19 yeah. and co. And uh, then, but but there's something else here. There's a project called the Judy Project. G-A-U-D-I. What does that stand for? Thanks. Yeah, that's the first two letters of my mother-in-law who passed away and my mother. So Judy was, wildly enough, she was Judy, my mother-in-law, but Diana. So that's where the D-I comes from. Um, and because together, the two of them create the formula for confidence. My mother-in-law, who was a private practicing PhD um, psychologist, so an expert in our thoughts and the reframing of them. And then my mother, who's an expert in our bodies, in our actions, she's a registered nurse, a personal trainer, and she is the one where I got my militant practices from, certainly. <laughs> um, uh, and But you need both of those to come together and, and our formula is thoughts plus action equals confidence. And some of the formulas floating out there are really actually thoughts plus confidence equals action. So that it gives you the ability to take action. But I think that's absolutely a fallacy. What is the project about? Um, so the project about, yeah, it, it really is. Um, uh, it is the teaching of confidence to women. And I, I hate to say women and discriminate. I will say those that have a lack of confidence, women happen to be a prime candidate for that audience. But the Judy Project is the confidence revolution that teaches uh, the skill of confidence. Your, co your company uh, is 19 and Co. And then the project is something else. Um, yeah. I, I saw them as two different things. Is the project, I don't know, funded by something? Is it uh, uh, experimental? Well, how do they exist? Yeah, the consultancy is kind of, again, as you mentioned, where did the Judy Project come from? It's again, one of those moments after moments after moments with each of those clients that made me realize how that lack of confidence in even the most powerful women who are owning their own businesses um, experience that then I created the Passion Project, what is called the Judy Project. Um, that the curriculum is 
uh, and the movement is the confidence revolution. Uh, and it is, it is something that's experimental right now. I'm, I'm actually building out okay. my advisory board. Okay. Now I've you got, have, you, you've mentioned, yeah. uh, you, you mentioned the curriculum. So I imagine yeah. there's some kind of seminar work mm -hmm. coming mm -hmm. up. Workshop. Yeah. And so then you're, you have your, there's a board there too, advisory yes. board. And yes. where so are I, you looking and where, you know, where are you? Yeah, it's actually, I know it's, I'm the, glad you asked. A 25 year old is going to be there. Uh, is she? No, Come on. She'll, she'll, she'll be a, uh, right. A testimony. Um, the, the advisory board is actually very broad, which is really exciting. So I have a New York times bestselling author who is a child development expert because this starts when we are young. So uh, th then it moves forward and I've got a professor at Johns Hopkins where I'm getting my MBA and she teaches the power and politics class and as an expert in resiliency, that's what a lot of her, com uh, her research is around. And then um, to round it out, I have a, a, an Olympian, Holly McPeck, who's a, uh, right? Because she actually owns her own um, beach volleyball club. And plus and, she's resilient. <laughs> yeah, right. And coaches women, um, girls, women, and so much of that is confidence. And she's actually the one who said it was an epidemic. And while I felt it, that was something. What was an epidemic? The lack of confidence oh, in lack. women mm -hmm. is, is an epidemic. And so it's those three women. And we're currently actually building out with some more potential Olympians. I won't. Well, you see, the, the thing that I, because um, I yeah. work with language, I'm a linguist. And so yeah. when you talk about confidence and then because that's not a, a, a watchword that builds on the empowerment notion that has been the, the watchword for the past uh, seven, 10 years, let's say. And confidence is something different, you know? And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm listening to you and the confidence has always, I mean, my idea is, okay, we do have the power. You know, all of those people that you work with, the, the, bravado, the bravado of these women, they are empowered, but they, you know, that taking that step is, is probably part of the confidence uh, epidemic, you know, mm -hmm. that you exactly. mentioned. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is. Um, and I think what's really important is hearing these stories of women like this that I mentioned are on the advisory board or the next woman that you see who's, excuse my French, a badass, right? Like the CEO or whatever the case may be, or some famous person, the story goes only what you see, right? It's like a Facebook post or an Instagram profile page. That's all you're seeing. And you think, oh, they've just always had that confidence. It's amazing. I wish I could be them. And the, the real story is, and they will tell you, they were the shyest kid in, in school, yes, right? Of course, of course, of and, course. And it's those stories we need to pull back the drapes and rip open the, you know, <laughs> peel back the Instagram posts and the Facebook posts and show the real story that happened to that got those women to that point um, that allowed them to build on that confidence like a layer cake to get those to those heights that they you're currently seeing them as at, yeah, yeah. Um, at no, it's actually easier to do those push-ups than to do the rest I I mean it is uh, for everyone who has a smile it's behind the smile is a lot of work there's a lot of suffering and so I, I I'm not sure that everyone let's say your average person understands that I mean, I, well take me people sees that people see that i'm smiling all the time they think i'm rich famous you know that kind of thing and right, and, right. and and it's it's you just don't go around telling people your story you know what i mean and it's difficult because 
it's uh, today, well, today, always, what you see is what they get. That's your calling cards. You have a couple of calling cards. One is when you open your mouth. That's where I come in. What comes out, that's a very important calling card. Mm -hmm. How you look is a very important calling card because that's the first thing people see. Um, And then the last is the action you take. And that's where this confidence is that 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 construct is right there yes yes and and so many times people women think that they need the confidence to be able to take that action right what my what i'm arguing and what i've built in the curriculum is techniques to be able to take the action before you even have that confidence because waiting for that emotion to bring itself about in your world um for you to then take the action you'll be waiting quite some time and guess what the more you wait what I coined the hesitation habit, the more there be that physiological response in your mind that says, oh, I, I should wait for, um, uh, you know, I should wait for, for real good reasons, right? So in primitive days, when we hesitated, there was real reason because we might not live if we acted in that moment, right? right. If, we did, if we stepped out of our cave, if something made us hesitate, it was for good reason. Now, for survival, thank you. Now we don't really have those consequences for the most part. So hesitation really is this uh, construct of, of, it's an (laughs) an excuse, excuse. thank you. It actually is, if you allow that hesitation to take its course, that five seconds to have the physiological response to tell yourself that, oh, to to really create the, the justification, the rationale for the excuse, that's all yeah. it's waiting. Look, You're just you, waiting. You've brought me right to the surprise last Yay, topic. That all I right. Bring <laughs> it on. I wanted to leave it to the end. Um, Please. Life as an adventure, right? The adventure and not as a dress rehearsal. I like the idea of be, having a dress rehearsal, you know, always being prepared. But the adventure, go on. Yeah, Tell Helen us. Keller <laughs> said it so well. Just She said, um, if if life or life is an adventure something around this life needs to be an adventure or it's nothing and to say it so frank and crass and crude i think is refreshing because this is it needs to be as black and white as that because if you live in the gray every day you're going to end up where months years later you're going to find yourself in the same boat you wish you weren't because you just and that gray i'm talking about being your comfort zone so right. and the adventure being the antithesis of that. The adventure is that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And what I teach and practice in my own life is that discomfort. I can't tell you how many times in a day I experience discomfort and feel like a fool. Give me and, an example, come on. Yeah, and, and I want to say one more thing, that comment that you say to yourself, who am I, why me? That comment runs through my mind. So while I may be taking those leaps of discomfort, I'm still saying some negative things to myself and still practicing trying to overcome that. But yes, to give you some examples, oh, like reaching out to an Olympian to be my board of advisors right, on the board. Right. How about that right, as an example? Right, right. Who then agreed and then said, let me hook you up with X, Y, and Z. And I, I can't wait to say the names out loud. I need to wait till they've agreed. <laughs> but you would be floored. And she even asked, you know, X, you know why? And I'm thinking, that's yeah. like asking, do I know Michael Jordan? Yes, I know them. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's having that audacity. And I, I almost, I love using the word audacity, audacity and being audacious because while it sounds crude and almost has no, a negative. it fills your mouth. I mean, 
It does. It feels your mouth like a bad word, right? Like a bad it, it, word. Makes, yeah. it makes you feel that intensity like a curse word. Yeah. And I think that's important. So it's very much like taking, striking a power pose, saying words that are, um, uh, oh, what's the, what's the word? It's what Trump does. It's, it starts with an S. I think it's um, not superfluous, but um, anyway. Power packed words. No. Power packed words, right? So, and if using that kind of uh, language, being a linguist yourself, and by the way, linguistics was one of my favorite undergraduate courses. I almost went that track. Um, <laughs> it is it, just so important. So, yes, on a daily basis, I'm reaching out to, as an analogy, to Olympians and feeling good, like, good. who am I? Good, good, good. That, there's an expression in Italian, chi si crede di essere, the same thing, who am I? Same oh, that's thing. beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. There was, um, uh, you made me think of a story. Um, I started a, my career, professional interpreting career in New York City, and I was... <laughs> I, I don't know. I was like the 25 year old, and a couple of years after that, uh, 27, I think. And one day I started, uh, you know, putting out my seeds. And after three months, I got a check in the mail. And this was many, many years ago. And it was $750. It was a retainer fee for a week's conference, international conference, in front of the UN. I looked at the check. I went home and I said, I just got a check. What am I going to? I had never done a conference in my life. I had been trained, of course. And she says, my mother says, who better than you can do that? I said, you're right. But <laughs> it went to the bank and did the week. And it was it was great. It was a great feeling. But I was shocked. Bless your mom for But they put reaction. the money in my hand, you know. <laughs> yeah. Bless yeah. her for her reaction. And this yeah. is exactly what the confidence revolution needs to do. I'm going to tap onto that. And then that example is that. This isn't about women leveling up in confidence for themselves. This is about taking that confidence and having the responsibility to have a ripple effect in your community of women, both on your immediate family, your daughters, your nieces, your you know, your nephews, the men in the world too. But this is about treating, being the mom that says like what your mom said, who better than you to do that? Absolutely. They are lucky to have you. And while if there's moms listening, it might feel strange to say those things because it just seems a bit stretched, almost. I guess you yeah, could almost. say. Yeah, yeah. Right. Today, I, I don't know the best word. This is exactly what my mother-in-law gave me, but I didn't have it in my childhood. I only got it when I was 20, started at 20. Um, and it was all, it was the game changer. The reaction you have to your daughters saying, you are so smart. You are so creative. These are the comments you need to be saying. Even if she, she is not, you think she's not listening, she's listening. If she's 25, I don't care, say this to your daughter. Any woman in your life, remind them of how smart, creative, resourceful, powerful, and they are the exact person that should be doing exactly what they're doing. And, and I always say that uh, um, you're a woman, you bleed generally from three to seven days and you don't die. You've got to remember that, oh, how powerful we are. <laughs> that's, really? that's power. You know? That's a really beautiful sentiment. Yeah. yeah. When my kids ask me, you know, mommy, I was in your tummy. Wait, what? I, how does that work? I grew and it, and I do. I say, isn't it amazing? It's magical. And then my son says, I can't do that, huh? And I say, no. It's, <laughs> I feel bad for him because he doesn't get that magic, that power. You <laughs> Not know? this lifetime. Who knows? Not this <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's an incredible story that, that you bring up about, you know, those initial stages when we start to realize our power and and it's only in those those are the moments where they can either move us forward or they can right. yeah or they can be the one-off luck yeah, yeah and it's yeah. your choice which one yeah. it is yeah 
Um, today, let's let's jump out of this discussion. And yeah. you're in this, right? You've created all of these things and boxes, and you're having people do push-ups and all of that. Now, <laughs> I, let's say that um, it, in Italian we call a dream in in the closet. You have a dream in the closet. Is there something in that closet that you're not doing today, but but there's something that who knows when I'm going to open that closet, pull it out, and maybe you know, do it. Is there something in there? I'd still say it's this confidence revolution. Mm -hmm. The point at which it's at is nowhere near where I want it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's still somewhat in the closet. Uh, not enough people know about it. And I'm not even sure, you know, when it's in the closet, it's dark. You don't know what shape yeah. and form it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't even know exactly what it is, but you know it's in there. I'm still at that point. And I can't wait to be able to pull it out and see it in it all its glory and it's all its shape and let it grow from there and give it the oxygen it needs. But um, it's almost like I'm trying to scavenge the food for it right now to mm -hmm. give it the fuel it needs to even get out of the no, closet. Well, you know, what's interesting <laughs> to hear you and, and the story is that you're already dreaming, you know, way ahead of you in, in light years to get these people in that, that are, uh, are influential. You know, they are influential any way you put it. And they, they're positioned in a way that will help you, even your mind to open, open to, right. to something, yes. you know, phenomenal, you know, and that's, yes. that's, that's really important. That's really, yeah. really important. Can I, can I also say an, ex an example that I wanted to mention right, earlier good. about Go. you saying the check you got, mm. but you'd never done a conference. Perfect example of raising your hand before you're, you think you're ready. And this is something women don't do. Men do it on the regular. What do you mean? Wait, give me, give me an example. Yeah, that's you mean the raising example. your hand in class, raising your hand. That's a no. metaphor. Ah. The idea that you got that check and you didn't say, oh no, I've not done a conference. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. That. I see. You knew you hadn't done a conference yet. You right, stepped yeah. up and said, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. And you did. You accepted well, the check. Because you did my the mom thought I could. <laughs> Exactly. I was I was really shaking in my boots. Of course. And and, it's and not I don't an easy job. <laughs> no, I don't discount the fear that you will feel when you step into that zone of raising your hand and actually taking on that endeavor that you raised your right, hand for right. that you didn't mm -hmm. feel ready for. But like for the example, when I first started all of this, I raised my hand metaphorically to sign up for a webinar for Dell's um, women's entrepreneur network. Nice. And uh I hadn't created the webinar yet. I'd never created a webinar, but I raised my hand. They accepted me. Oh, clock started. Let's create a webinar. So nothing. And, and this is actually something my team members always laugh about. This is a saying I say, nothing like a deadline. You yes. need to create deadlines in your life. The only way you create those deadlines in your life is you raise your hand before you're ready. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. But we have, uh, that's a bit of a leap beyond a uh, little heart or a horse before the cart. I, I have a lot of techniques to get you to raise your hand. Um, yeah, but it is, it's the mind shift that your mom did for you. And then a couple techniques to actually convince, once you've convinced yourself, you want to raise your hand, then the techniques to actually raise your hand, which is that action. So all a metaphor. This, is, uh, this reminds me of, yeah. of a, another job I was interpreting. I was well into the, the and after a, half of the day, uh, some gentlemen's come, gentlemen comes up, come up to me and they say, we have to meet your husband. <laughs> the man that supports this woman. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know which, from which. Right. It was yes. so funny. And I, because I was just thinking the same thing about you and it brought me in that position. I, I, how is anybody going to keep up with her? 
<laughs> yes, he is quite the opposite of me. He's, uh, yes, he is my rock and my angel. And he yeah. is the one, he, since his mother passed, he's the one who continues to carry that torch to remind yeah. me of I am the perfect person for this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's so interesting the way you come to do the things that you do. And it's not by chance that you are surrounded with, with uh, people who are rooting for you, you know, yeah. in one well, way or only, another. Yes. And that only comes with high expectations. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. 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 And then what I want to say too, in that the audacity, I just had to say, I'm perfect for this. It's two things your listeners are going to hear. Wow, she's bragging. Or B, what makes her perfect? Yeah. yeah. And here's, yeah. right? Because right. I'm thinking those things in my own mind. Like, oh, goodness, that was a bit much. Here's what I want to tell anyone who thinks those things when they hear someone like myself. A, support the next woman next to you. Yeah. Give that woman a high five for the humble brag she just had. And humble brag not being a negative thing. Because we need to redefine how we treat ourselves as a community of women. And B, why aren't you saying those things about yourself? There's an art to, bra I'll call it bragging. And there's actually a book called uh, Brag, the Art of Boasting, uh, Tooting Your Own Horn Without Blowing It. So cute. <laughs> cute. Peggy Klaus, she's yeah. out of Berkeley. And, um, and there is, men do it. There is an art to bragging and you need to learn it, women, you need ladies. To learn it. <laughs> because it's not bragging. It's actually, it's it's exactly what brands Presenting. Do. You know, this it's, year we are. It's just conveying mm -hmm. your expertise. And no one's going to do it but you. If you feel like you're bragging, you're either A, discomfort, you have a discomfort with it, you're not comfortable with it, or B, you don't have the skill to know how to do it artfully. Either way, it's just practice and you can yeah. you can master it. So yeah. I want to make sure that's said out there because I don't want anyone thinking, oh wow, she is an expert in it. No, I just said that I was. I actually do a lot of research in this space. So I am an expert. I've become that, but so can the next person yeah, on any yeah. one topic. So I just want to put that to rest as well. Gee, I don't know what else to say, Christine. You have, <laughs> you know, I know when we finish this, this interview, I'm going to, I'm going to do some push-ups. <laughs> I actually have a personal trainer now. I, I, good, I, good I can't do it on my own. <laughs> good. Just so you know, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with any expertise, you know, you really can't train yourself. Yeah, yeah. good for you. A personal trainer needs a personal trainer, a therapist needs their own therapist. <laughs> Listen, yeah. um, of course, I want to let you know that people who will be listening or watching would like to then know uh, all of your information. So we'll put that under the video, under the uh, podcast description there, where they can find you, your website, the program and projects and, and some social media that uh, you have this way you know you never know people would could you know uh, need a boost of yeah. confidence will just come right to you please connect with me I'd love to hear your story and work <laughs> thank it. you so much for coming thank it you, was a Mario. breath of fresh air really bye-bye bye-bye Christine bye -bye.
Show 